This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome to Four Speed Ahead. I'm Craig Fuller here with Jordan Graff, the founder and CEO of Highway. Jordan, how are you doing, man? I'm good, Craig. Great to see you. Great to be on today. Yeah, you know, you have been, you and I have had a number of conversations over the last couple of years. Uh, but this, I think, is the uh, first one we've had as you have started a new venture with Highway. You're really trying to solve the carrier identity problem that has propped up a lot of Load board fraud is out there and is propagating. So certainly the topic is um, everyone's mind. But really, what's the goal of Highway? Yeah, I mean, uh, so let's start at Highway to bring carrier identity to the freight broker community. And when we talk about carrier identity, it's it's three things. Who are you? Are you really the carrier? And what equipment do you actually have? So when we look at a lot of the problems that we face in this industry today that are fraud related, a lot of other core are identity problems. And so, you know, it's a time to do whack-a-mole and solve individual problems that pop up. It's like, let's get to the art of who is this person, who is the person that's actually trying to get in your network and what carrier are they and what equipment do they actually have answers a lot of the, it's, it's like getting ahead of the problem and solving it before it becomes an issue down the road. So that's the, that's the problem we're trying to solve. And, um, we focus solely on freight brokers that that's who we sell to and, it's been it's been a very exciting eight So low board fraud is propagating is just exponentially increased over the last you know really twenty four months. Um, is it really a function of a lot of the freight brokers and sort of an effort to staff up their operations during peak COVID went out and offshored a lot of their operations? Is this what has caused sort of this moment and in inflection of, of fraud? Is that we we've, we've trained all these people to learn how load boards work and the opportunities behind it. Now that we've trained them, we don't have the workload for them. They sort of resorted to nefarious activities. I think, I think there's a lot of time, right? In any, in any market movement of this size, there's a lot of things that are driving it uh, to occur. So the first is the, the whipsaw back where capacity became very loose and, and you had a lot of, um, real participants leave the market. You have a lot of real trucking companies that do in a down market. And so I think that's the first factor that that led to where where we are today. What that creates is this feeling that fraud is happening more with more prevalent. And in reality, what's happened is you've just shrunk pool, right? The bad actors didn't leave. They're still there. They're still there probably in the same number. Maybe they've grown a little bit over the last 18 months or 12 months, but now they're just a larger percentage of the interactions you have with with quote unquote motor carriers. The second is the freight you know, the freight broker community is relatively new, right? The, this industry is not that old. When you look at like certain industries like healthcare, financial services. And what's happened, I think, is this industry's gone to from, you know, in the early 2000s to be from being five to 10% of four hire truckload movements to now it's almost 40 to 50% of all four hire truckload movements in the US. So it's grown really quickly. 
And that when you have an industry growing really quickly that doesn't have established patterns and in, in, in standards for identity management, you open the door for fraud. And so that's the second factor is now this industry is hitting this, this level of critical mass where it attracts uh, fraudulent actors, fraudulent activity because of the size of the industry now. You know, we're talking $150, $200 billion of, of um, freight moving through this, this freight broker community. So it's attracting the attention of, of bad actors. And the third thing I think is, is when you look at like banking, right? If you went into a bank today and tried to borrow $100,000, like they're going to ask a lot of questions. They're going to ask, you know, they want your driver's license. They're going to do their KYC on you. But in today's world, you know, pre-highway, people would book $100,000 worth of cargo on a truck they never saw, all based on an email exchange. And that's what we're trying to change is adding more vigor and more um, and, and better identity management around how, how brokers interact with their carrier network because the dollar value of what's going on in that truck, um, it, you know, is, is considerable, is, is starting to grow even more with inflation. And we, we need more better, we need better practices for managing, you know, who's actually ending up hauling that. Yeah, it's amazing to me that, you know, if I were to steal $100,000, it'd be a lot of authorities out looking. But if I steal a truck with $100,000 of cargo, you know, it is, it has seemed as if the authorities sort of look at that as a, as an, maybe a civil issue, in fact, maybe not even a criminal issue in some ways. Um, what are you hearing from your customers that have implemented Highway? What are what have they seen? What are, why why are they implementing Highway? What's driving this? Uh, and what is really the results that they're getting? Yeah, um, I mean, we are having brokers that have went from having five to ten double brokering events per month um, to to zero after implementing Highway, and by implementing the practices and the procedures and the processes that we uh, established for carriers coming into their network. They've seen, you know, if not complete drop-offs in the, in the double brokering events that happen at almost near materially, materially declining rates on what's happening. They have some legacy stuff. They got to clean up their network. It's hard for them to completely wash their network in one go. It takes time to gradually clean up that network, but it's, it's producing real results. And it works because of how, of our strategy, right? We can talk about tactics and like the things that we do and people kind of get, get hung up on, you know, fraud reporting and, um, you know, or finding duplicate addresses or things like that. But really the strategy that we approach is three phase. The first is a reduced surface area. So in any info security world um, approach, you're trying to reduce the surface area of attack. The, the, the area that a, a bad actor can try into the system and take advantage of. And the second is we're trying to be the hardest target. So we make, we make it harder for bad actors to get into the networks of our customers by doing things like um, looking at mobile phone data, by looking at ELD data, by looking at insurance data, and comparing all that together to create this comprehensive look at a carrier and putting them in a risk matrix of high risk versus low risk. And when we do that, it allows us to make a better experience for carriers that are low risk for fraud. People like US Express, right? Um, who's now Night Swift. Uh, but make it easier for you know carriers where you have um, a good, you know have a lot of digital footprint to be able to identify who they are versus carriers where we have not a lot of this. And then the third thing, the third strategy is, hey, there, we view the world, there's two types of people, two types of people in the world. There's good guys and bad guys. And it's a little oversimplistic for some people, but the difference between good guys and bad guys is their willingness to expose the digital. Like if I go and search Craig Fuller and look for you, you have a massive digital. Like you're not trying to 
You're not trying to hide yourself. But if I go and look for someone that's trying to get into your share your network and I can't find anything about them, they don't have social media profiles, they don't have activity um, under that name or that email or phone anywhere else out in the digital ecosystem, that's a big warning sign because it's a bad action. You want to keep your digital low because you're trying to fly radar as much as possible to commit your, you know, commit to fraudulent activity and then run away. So Jordan, you spent years working at a bank. You actually built Triant Pay as part of the payment network that drives a lot of freight transactions. Is this where you learned about a lot of the best practices to apply to this fraud problem? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm starting my career at JP Morgan, worked at, um, at, at Triumph for, for five years. And absolutely, like, you know, the, the idea that you would onboard a customer as a bank and not do any due diligence, you know, it, and, and I didn't fully understand that in the broker freight community. Um, but after spending time with, you know, my friends and, and, and counterparties in the industry and looking at how they intake carriers, you know, I saw, I saw what was a gap from where financial service providers, where financial service companies operate and where freight service. And so what we're trying to do is close that gap. We're, we're using practices, um, best practices that we learn in financial services. You know, um, when you, you know, the KYC process at JP Morgan was very involved. It was a make, took a lot of the same, hey, there's a matrix of how valuable are what we try to do with this customer? How much do we know about this customer? And bridging the gap and trying to close the gap and bring the two um, together to reduce the amount of surface area of risk. Even submitting a wire, I use JP Morgan, is painful these days because they've made it so paternal where, you know, they want to know, who did you talk to? Did you confirm? Did you talk online? Like, what's their phone number? It's just, it's gotten really difficult to just transact in some ways because in the process of really trying to mitigate fraud, they've created a lot of friction in the process. It strikes me that one of the things that we've seen in freight brokerage, as you talk about proliferation, one of the things that we've seen is this desire for efficiency. The digital natives, as well as some of the traditional brokers, have really talked about the number of freight transactions per broker, the number of dollars or margin per broker. And that's really these KPIs that try to die for. But when you, when you look at fraud mitigation, if you slow down and you do the verification, you do the diligence, it's actually counter to that KPI. It seems like our industry has got to sort of balance those. And I don't know, at least what I see, is there executive buy-in across the industry to, to really, you know, are they willing to sacrifice some of the efficiencies to gain some of the fraud mitigation? Are, are we seeing that happen? They hit on a great, a great topic. In, in product development, there's always the trade-off between user experience and security, right? And, and you always have to make that trade-off. The value of what we provide to our customers, we do it once, and then we share that with any broker that subscribed to Highway. We share that information. We share that report. We share that analysis with all the brokers that are subscribed. So the carrier doesn't have to do it five other times. They do it one. And so there's value in there, right? So Yes, we make it a, a more challenging experience at first for high-risk carriers. So the first thing is we also segment carry, the carrier base into low, medium, high-risk, and like a grade. And so we're able to say, hey, if you're a high-risk carrier, yeah, it's going to be more challenging, but there's a reason. You have one-month authority, no inspections, and you know there's a lot of warning signs about your profile versus something that has a very long established pattern. We want that to have a... So doing it one time versus 250 times every time they want to try and work with, with a broker... 
helps with that, right? It reduces down that, that friction. The second I would tell you is, yes, the executive leadership is the decision, is the person who's not only the decision maker, but driving the process. We see that in our, at the large corporations that are, because you have this just incredibly right, uh, right area for product. Okay. When you think about a carrier sales, they have urgency, trying to cover a load really quick. This load's got to be covered. Urgency is the like the number one risk factor for frauds on that. We need to have that sense of urgency. I've got to get this done now. I've got to get this done now. You have financial incentive. The carrier sales are trying to make their commission. They're trying to get the load covered. They're doing what they're being paid to do. Hey, get this load covered. So that's the second like warning sign when you have the, the prevalence of fraud. And the third is no physical interaction. And so that's why this is a breeding ground for fraudulent activities because you have, you have urgency, financial incentive, and no physical interaction. And so you've got to put something, you've got to wrap that process with something or this process will only continue to grow um, be, because of, it's just the breeding ground for fraudulent activities. Yeah, and it, I guess your company becomes a target at that point, right? Because they know that your processes are not sound to me. The bigger you are, the multiple offices you run, actually makes you more vulnerable if you're not implementing best practice. You know, one of the things that, you know, I spent nine years in payments, you spent a, a lot of time in banking. So we had that in common. We speak the same language. One of the things that, you know, we did in the payments business is we had compliance officers and we did a lot of work. You know, the term that may not, folks in freight may not know the term KYC, which is know your customer. It seems like you guys are moving towards know your carrier, sort of a different version of KYC, which really fundamentally is this is based on the same uh, sort of rules of engagement. One thing that I have not seen, except for the asset-based trucking companies, which have historically had to deal with uh, claims and OS&D issues, is I don't know a ton of brokers that have really a compliance department, uh, uh, have really built up a really robust compliance function. Are you seeing that change over the last couple of years? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Like the the compliance function is becoming more and more important to freight brokers. Um, and, and we're seeing those people are now going from being the, uh, the just the naysayers in the office, the ones that turned down carriers and turned down customers, to now being strategically brought into discussions at the brokerage on a you know where are we making investments, where are we spending dollars, where are we trying to to grow our brokers. They're being brought into more of the strategic discussions because of of risk. And I think, I think you hit it like this industry is, is going through, is, is coming out of a, just a massive growth phase over the last 10, 15 years. And it's trying to catch its breath with some of the infrastructure, like things like compliance and risk and, and pro, you know, process management. Um, you know, I know a lot of brokers, a lot of large brokers, publicly traded ones operate control environments. Um, you know, we operate in a control environment. We have a, a SOC 2, you know, SOC 2 audit process that we go through every year. I think you're going to see a lot more of that because you talk about efficiency and going fast. It's just going to talk about when you reach a certain scale, you have a target on your back from these, um, from these bad actors trying to get into your network and try to steal loads and steal money from you and steal your reputation. And the, the combat, you know, how to combat that is you've got to use tools like highway that help bring greater transparency. And you've got to start putting more controls into your business to be able to run at the pace that you want to run at scale you want. So it's, it's absolutely becoming more, more and more important clients function at a breaker. And it's different. Like you said, it's different than an asset based carrier. It's not, um, it's not as geared around safety. 
as it is as much as it is now around fraud and, and other types of legal life. Yeah, I mean the sort of rule of thumb, at least when I was in brokerage, I'm dating myself by uh, almost two decades, which you realize how old you are now, or at least I realize how old I am. Um, you know, there was a lot of things in a brokerage world you were told not to ask or not to do because you didn't want that liability. If you had knowledge of something, then were they liable or potentially liable? Whereas in the asset-based world, it's quite different. You you actually have the liability, whether you want it or not. It strikes me that it, when it comes to compliance and care compliance, that it is something that, that freight brokerages need to take leadership of because they will expose them if they don't, you know, if they don't manage it. Yeah, the trial lawyers are relentless, right? You know, they're continuing to look up for pocketbooks to get to get into uh, anytime there's tragically an accident, right? Or um, and I think you know you see the large brokers are targets. That you know they're 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 the ones that are going to drive this industry because they're the ones that are targeted by the trial lawyers who are plaintiff attorneys who are trying to you know bring them into lawsuits. Um, you know, unfortunately, when an when an event occurs. So I, I I'm not I, I you know I I can't predict the future, but I think the trend is going to be towards more um, awareness of those of those factors. Yeah, we've, we've seen we've seen lawsuits where like Smith Robinson lost a, a major settlement um, or a lawsuit uh, where they had to pay, I think it was $25 million because they they demonstrated some negligence in doing some underwriting. But, you know, Smith Robinson's handling, you know, 20,000 loads a week or maybe a day at this point. And in, in doing so, they're naturally going to be exposed to a transaction or two that just get through the system, no matter how accurate they are. Just happens, just small, large numbers. Jordan, I'm going to go back to something you said earlier uh, that really sort of was interesting as a tidbit on any kind of fraud, um, whether we're talking, you know, load board fraud, we're talking banking fraud, even dating fraud. You made the comment that somebody would send digital like no social media experience that suggests that they have something to hide. Is that, is that a general rule? Is that something that you have learned through your experience that if you, if someone does not have a strong digital footprint, it suggests that there is something wrong with that person. It's not wrong. Okay. Let's be clear on our, our terminology. It's not wrong. It's just, if there's a low, it's trying to hide, right? It increases, it increases the likelihood that they're trying to hide. And, and you think about, uh, uh, just, a bad actor, right? Someone that's really intends to steal money or steal loads. They don't want you to know who they really are, right? They really don't want you to know their real name, their real phone number, where they live, what they do. They don't want you to know that information because they're trying to commit a crime. And so you, you know, you kind of have to use derivatives. You have to use a derivative of information. Uh, motive is like, really want to commit crime. I don't want you to know who I am. And so we key in on that as a derivative of the intended potential intended motive. Um, now, the the keys here in the highway experience in not making you know proactive decisions to say, hey, you can't work with these characters, right? Like, is remedy. You have to provide a path of remedy when you have a situation where someone has fallen into a high risk category because of a low digital footprint or because of some other factors. You always have to provide remedy because you can't be biased. You can't just say. Hey, you don't have social media. You can't get through, right? Like, no, like you've got to give them a path to cure. And that's, that's the subtlety in the highway that I think creates a positive care experience when they really are a good actor. But also we do it in such a way that if you don't really have 
the ability to pass the remedy, it's, you know, as a bad actor, you're going to run from it because we're going to ask you to reveal more than you are. That's, you know, if you're trying to commit a crime, you don't want to do. Isn't a lot of this just because they made it up? I mean, they just made it up or stole somebody's identity. Isn't that the predominance of the reason they don't have it? I mean, you're, you're saying something that it's actually quite intentional. Like they actually don't, not, not only have they stolen the identity, but they also don't want to be found at all. And so you're actually saying it's that sort of second layer of, of deceit, nefariousness. Yeah, it's, 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 it's two, there's, there's two paths, right? The first path is to, first path is try to present yourself as a carrier, uh, uh, you, you know, by getting authority or buying authority and operating under some docket number or DOT number that you're presenting to others as a legitimate, but there's no legitimacy. There's no equipment. There's no there's nothing real, real there, right? So that is a different set of, that's a different set of attack vectors, measures for, for that, where we're trying to say, okay, are you really a carrier? Do you really have a, what type of equipment do you actually have? And, and using physical data to enhance the digital profile of, of those. In the second is what you described as identity theft, trying to pretend to be somebody else, trying to, um, trying to get someone like you through spoofing their email. Um, or changing one letter in the domain and try and get a carrier sales rep to send me a rate con so I can go pick up the load and steal it. That is a different set of tool attack vectors and countermeasures that we use through our Outlook plugin and our fraud search tool in Iowa where we're trying to like help brokers realize that the, the person, the user who's trying to interact with you really isn't who they say they are. They're not really that carrier. And that, I would say, is is probably where we still have the most opportunity to just make the problem go away. You know, when we sell product to brokers, we sell product to, to customers. We want to say, we just want to make the problem go away. You don't have to worry about it. Just let the process run. And in that area where the, the, the pretending to be someone you're not, that's where, you know, we've rolled that, the new Outlook plugin that's in the, the Microsoft app store. And we've um, just rolled out the fraud search in iways UI and the API. I think we still can, we can really help reduce down the stolen load by someone pretending to be someone else. You're talking, you mean Lloyd Fishing essentially is they're, they're, they're changing the identity, they're changing the identity of who they are and they're using maybe a carrier changing the name slightly, like let's go back to US Express, um, just because it's a, it's a name that is easy to change. I know this personally because people would always spell it with an E. I mean, that's a relatively easy thing to create a US Express dot whatever. And it may not get caught by someone that they're in. We're not talking about the U.S. Express based in Chattanooga, but it's owned by Night Swift. We're talking about some, you know, somebody who's pretending to be U.S. Express or add an extra S or an extra X um, where they can confuse the person that's trying to move really quick through the system. And you're saying Highway catches those actions and prevents it from uh, just notifies, just no different than what Outlook or Google says, hey, this this email looks suspicious. Exactly. Exactly. Flagging for the carrier sales rep in their inbox. Red light, yellow light, free light. Hey, red light, this is a highly likely to try to be freightbull.com and they change the I to an L. Load board fraud and load phishing, as I as I described it, which is the using false identity to effectively get a load, strikes me as the most dangerous kind of theft or the most dangerous kind of fraud that's out there because it's different than taking a loaded van. It's actually 
with the intentions of stealing the cargo. And is that, I mean, is that really where you see the biggest risk in terms of theft? Yeah. So when we think about the risk associated with carrier fraud, let's break it down into the types of risk and then the buckets of fraud and which ones are most prevalent. The first is financial risk. So the financial loss of the the, the rate, right? Pay, maybe you have to pay two carriers, right? Pay an underlying carrier um, or double pay the, the rate. This is that financial risk is a loss. The, the upper end of that's a couple yeah. thousand dollars lost, right? Exactly. Exactly. The second financial risk is the stolen cargo, right? You get a $100,000 load stolen or $200,000 load stolen. Like most brokers are going to have some indemnity provide to the shipper that may or may not be covered by their cargo policy and oftentimes probably isn't. And the third is reputational risk, right? When the shipper finds out you got one of their loads stolen or you didn't really know who the carrier was, it was double brokered. That's not a great relation. That's not a conversation anyone ever wants to have with their, their shipper. So those are kind of the three buckets of risk as we think about them. I know a friend of mine ran a small, it was an air freight forwarder that happened to have a small truck called brokerage business. And they had uh, a load from a, a major video game uh, a company. Um, and the load was, they tendered it to a broker. The broker then double brokered it out. Uh, and the load was stolen. And this, you know, this fishing expedition that happened, it was, you know, it was a, it was a coordination between the nefarious actor, the load broker that fished it, and some trucking company that, you know, was also uh, committing the fraud, was participating in that, and they liquid effectively liquidated the cargo. Well, he had a claim of $750,000, and he was a $4 million, bro- real small forwarder. You know, they ended up having to pay it. Insurance was not willing to pay it because they found that they had not, they had violated their own insurance policy. So it strikes me this this risk is theft risk is a major and substantial risk that is going to continue to be very profitable for bad actors because the enforcement is just not there. Like you said when you started, right? If you stole, if you walked into a bank and stole $100,000, if you walked into a bank and stole $750,000, you would be in prison, right? They, they are going to come find you. $50,000, you have every cop. It was a bank in Chattanooga that was robbed a couple of months ago. And every cop in the city, it felt like, was looking for this person. They were pulling video from all of the adjacent area. I mean, it was like a major, major investigation. Bank crimes are very serious. You steal a truck, which happens every day across the country. No one seems to care. Here's why. In my opinion, it, it, it feels that right? when you steal money from a bank, the bank teller had a gun pointed in their face. Consumers, oh, they're stealing my money. There's like, there's, there's this. Fear, anxiety as a consumer if, if bank, fr- bank thefts aren't stopped, right? Bank properties are stopped. Like they're taking money, right? That's like it's easy as a consumer, as an individual to project that. And so therefore authorities react to that, right? They do. They react to the fact that like individuals and consumers have fear and anxiety about what's happened. When a trip's stolen, when a load of video games is stolen, you know, it's it's hard to like point to who the true victim is, right? Like it, it, it feels... It feels anonymous, right? It's this company. It's this brokerage, right? Your your buddy, but like it's this company, right? It's company crime. It's like B two B crime, and that, as you know, doesn't draw the same level of um, attention from legal from the law enforcement, from enforcement authorities. It's because it's B two B versus consumer being. In Jordan, we had when I was in trucking, we had loads that were hijacked at gunpoint. Drivers that were hijacked at gunpoint back in the you know back in the early two thousands. With organized crime, I didn't care either. Like I, 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 I recognize that going into a bank and having a gun pointed at you is a is a pretty tremendously frightening 
uh, crime, but also it was a truck driver having a gun pointed at you is also a tremendously important crime. And we had that happen in the early 2000s. It was a rash of these, of these sort of hijackings. Um, um, so we know it happens, but we also know more importantly that fraud happens. And this is a sort of intelligent crime, if you will. Um, you are developing solutions to help mitigate it and solve for it. What is the uptake and what are the results you're, you're hearing from your customers? Yeah. So, um, you know, we are, we're getting close to 300 active customers, brokers that are using iWay. Um, and, you know, we kind of hit a, you had talked a little bit about it, but we're seeing brokers. GIS is a great example. Uh, Mike Young, they've seen, they went from having five to 10 double brokering events a month down to zero. Um, we had a, another large broker go live a couple months ago, and they saw an 80% reduction in the first month in double brokerage events. And the ones they had were some legacy carriers that were still in their system that they wanted to, you know, they didn't, they didn't push them through highway. And so the result was that now they're pushing all their carriers uh, through highway. So seeing real results, um, reducing friction, reducing, you know, okay, we talked about it at the beginning where you said, you know, user experience or efficiency um, moving really fast is where everyone wants to go. But by doing this, you're going to slow down the process. That's 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 fair. Like in the trade-off that we talked about, we do it once instead of having to do it for every broker. But it's also like, you've got to think about the aftermath, the aftermath effect, right? Like if you are on board a fraudulent actor in your network, the cost in people's time and reputational risk and financial risk way out exceeds, you know, is, is, is that's your biggest, potential cost and risk in the way gums up the wheels, right? We spend all your leadership's time dealing with stolen load or double brokering events and trying to put, put out fires. Can't focus on strategic initiatives if you're all you're doing is running around putting out fires. So that's, that's, that's the value I think we're bringing. Um, the, the most value we're bringing to our customers is helping put out fires, prevent these things from happening and, and turning into material issues um, after you know, blowing up. Jordan, I had to ask, uh, load board fraud is something that's continued to proliferate. Are the load board companies responsible for managing and mitigating that fraud? Do they have responsibility for this? You know, I think we all have a part. We all have, I, uh, we all have to, as, as free tech providers in the industry, we all have a part in, in doing this. You know, not all of these activities come directly from the load board. Um, not all of these, you know, the, the load fishing's not coming from the load board, right? They're just trying to get into networks. I think ultimately it's going to come down to who can, right? And that's, you know, we can point fingers and we can talk about who's responsible, who's liable. But in reality, we just need to make it where they can't get in our end. Like they'll can, they'll continue to always be until the end of time, um, fraudulent activity. The goal is to make it where it's so frustrating and annoying to do it in brave brokers that they find other industries. That's the goal. You got to make it where it's so painful and the cost to do it becomes so high that they have to go to other industries. They'll go to other industries. They'll find other. It's just naturally how the world works, right? So, you know, we like to focus on like, how can we as a healthy industry, as a, as a community, as a member of this community, make it harder for people to commit fraud inside this industry so that they go find somewhere else to, to waste, you know, waste resources. Jordan, really appreciate your time today. Um, really important topic fraud in our industry, it's not going away. You know, the challenge of this is as criminals discover the opportunities, it just encourages more criminals to uh, join into the fun, if you will. And so it's something that we're going to have to deal with and it's something that everybody should take serious. I appreciate 
of what you're doing at Highway and how can folks reach you? Yeah, reach me at jordan at gohighway.com or um, just come to gohighway.com and be happy to set up a demo. Sounds great. Jordan, thank you so much.